0: Welcome to the Proclaim Podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Our hosts are Brett Powell, Heather Kim, Jason Jensen, Eric Chow, and Amber Zolk. Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to the Proclaim Podcast. We are joined again by Amber Zolk, Amber, infamous CCO missionary in the Lower Mainland and coordinator of our Discover Discipleship program. And I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today because I think it's one of the most practical pieces of wisdom and insight and knowledge that we can transmit to those who are really starting to engage in the ministry of evangelization. It is something that is, it's almost like the bridge to take somebody from maybe just being an intentional disciple to being a missionary disciple. And so what we're talking about is, da-da-da-da, impact list. It sounds like a scary thing. (laughs) It's actually not.
2: Just your missionary hit list.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Missionary hit list. It's a very simple concept, Amber, but one of those things where the concept itself is simple, but the impact, the, the power of it could be just utterly amazing. So why don't you just tell us what is an impact list?
2: An impact list quite simply is just taking the time to think through and write down the names of the people that you feel the lord is calling you to invite to be a part of what you're doing those that you want to share the gospel with
1: so we've got these we've got these two tools that we're promoting through proclaim recognizing that we can't do everything there's a thousand different tools that can be used but we've sort of settled on alpha and discovery through the cco face studies and so people are motivated they feel compelled they want to step out and now it's like well who am i going to invite in these studies and there enters the impact list. So these are Absolutely. people yeah, they're people that they're in relationship with already and these are people that they have strong animosity towards or <laughs> who, who goes on the impact list.
2: I would say that the best the best thing to do when you are thinking about creating your impact list is actually just to begin with prayer. Really mm. ask the Lord to inspire you with who who he wants to see you be a part of this. Um, it's probably going to be people that you already have relationship with. So it could be friends that you're already in relationship with. It might be neighbors or colleagues. It might be parents that you know from, from, the kids, from other kids in your children's classes or from other extracurricular activities. Um, really, it's, it's anyone that you're in relationship with. It might even be some people that are within your own parish that don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. So really, yeah, pray and ask, but it's probably going to be people that you already have a relationship with in some capacity that you're going to feel called to invite to be a part of this.
1: This is a, I mean, a very pragmatic kind of thing. I mean, obviously we invite prayer, ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and and submit to his direction and all that. Um, Is there sort of like a first draft, like is your first draft of the impact list just anybody that kind of comes to mind or is anything like that or...
2: Yeah, so, I mean, for sure, you can, you can write down just about anyone in those in that first list. I think write down as many people as come to mind, uh, knowing that not everyone's going to say yes, right? So if you, you want to start with a group of, of eight people, then you might have to invite 16 or 20, knowing that some people might say no. And that's perfectly normal and perfectly okay. Uh, one thing that I would say as you step out to, to begin your draft is not to say no for anyone. Mm. And that's really like hard to do mm. because we're fearful of rejection. Right? We yeah. don't want to ask someone thinking like, what are they going to say or, or making those assumptions that they might say no. It's like, well, why would I bother? They're just going to say no. Yeah. Um, but I really encourage you, don't say no for anyone because you never know what their response might be. And chances are that at the the very worst thing that's going to happen is that they're going to say no. It's not going to be the end of your relationship. It's not going to backfire most likely. Like it's it's pretty rare that people will have a, a, a very dramatic reaction in the negative. They'll just say no. Hmm. And that's probably the worst that you're going to experience.
0: Yeah. And but then on they'll the flip side, never talk to you again.
2: <laughs> yeah. Doubtful. It's doubtful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, But on the flip side, you know, those people that you, you assume might say no, um, if they do say yes, think of the possibilities. Like what could God do in their life if Mm. they do say yes and they, and they're a part of this, think of the possibilities of, of what might happen if, if they were open to that invitation.
1: Mm. One of the things I'll share the story, it's not exactly aligned to the impact list, but it's this notion of don't say no for anybody. So, um, this may not make it the podcast, but I'll give it a go, <laughs> edit it away. Okay. But when we, when our kids are confirmed, Amber, Ella, Amber you know this, um, we invite um, <laughs> men or women in their life to write them a letter of affirmation and encouragement and that kind of thing. So the boys are being confirmed, they mm. get men's mm-hmm. letters, and the women, the ladies are getting confirmed, they get the ladies' letters. So Jacob, our oldest, when we set out to do this, because it was a new process for us, right? And there is a list of people, and I was very clear on who I'm going to take off this list because there's no way they would respond. And one of them was the head coach from his soccer team, mm. because I thought this is just awkward. You know, I don't, I know him kind of well, but not really. And, and is he a faith? No, okay, and right. he's not. So that's make he's confirmed. That's yeah. the awkwardness of you yeah, know. like you're bringing faith into a right. relationship right. that faith was uh-huh. not part of the relationship. So right. you know, it's that whole thing. And uh, so I wrestled with it. Do I include, do I not include? So I I put him in the email list, this kind of group list, and I sent it out. And guess who the first man that got back to me was? It was the soccer coach. And not only that, but he affirmed Jacob for things of faith. Wow. You know, so it wasn't... um, And I could have easily have said, no, I'm not going to do that. But you just never know. And And this is the thing is that we are cooperating with the Holy spirit. And we know that we know that we know ever since they could hear the beating heart of their mother in the womb, God has been working on them Mm. and we're just coming alongside that work. That's already in progress, you know? And so this idea of never say no for anyone, as soon as you said it, Amber, it was like, I don't know if you experienced it, but it was like, it hit me like a prophetic word. It's Mm. like, yeah, we should never say no for anyone. Let them do that. And then we receive that lovingly. But, you know, do you have stories or do you know of stories of people that... Let me jump in really quick. There's some
0: providential thing here. Um, I was reading Romans this morning, Mm. chapter three. And Paul says, am I not the God of the Gentiles too? Mm. And I was like, oh, of course, man. We, as people of faith, often think God is limited to us. right?" And he's your... He's a soccer coach's God. He is yeah. that person's God. And I feel like we compartmentalize and we've done so since the early well, church. We yeah. falsely compartmentalize people. yeah. And this this idea of no, oh, yeah. that person. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm actually saying, oh, he's not the God of that person. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah. oh man, that's, you know. Kind of playing God in playing doing God, so. Playing right? God, yeah. So it was, yeah, yeah.
2: And, I, you know, the the reality is that whether people recognize it or not, their hearts were created for relationship with God. And hmm. right? so whether they're in a place that they're willing to acknowledge that or not, or even if they're aware of it or not, that's how they were wired. They're made for that relationship. And so we're we're just inviting them to experience something and to be a part of something that actually like God has designed for them from the very beginning. Mm. And so we can have a confidence in that, knowing that like every person that we approach was actually created to be in this relationship. And they may not be in a place where they're where they're ready to receive that, where they're ready to acknowledge that, but we can cling to that truth, knowing that every person that we encounter was created to be in relationship with God the Father. Yeah.
1: There's a story I'll share that maybe it's uh, applicable and it might encourage somebody in their asking, but when I think of compartmentalizing people as this is the group of my friends that God can reach, and this is the group of people that he can't reach. So I'm going to take them off my list. I, I often will think of Jesus in the Gospels when um, Lazarus gets sick, falls ill. Jesus stays away for a few days. Eventually, Lazarus dies. And then, you know, Jesus comes to him, but he's dead. He's in the tomb. He's there for four days. And I sit there right beside Jesus, and I try and convince myself that someone is too dead and cold to spiritual things Mm -hmm. to respond to Jesus. And when I sit there and think about it, and I hear and I play out in my mind, you know, Jesus calling Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus responding, I think there is nobody. There is no human being that is outside of the voice of Jesus reaching out to them. And when we pick up the phone or we send an email to them by name, you know we are prayerfully uh, essentially asking Jesus to call their name and to call them into relationship with him and to come out of the tomb and there's nobody there is nobody there is absolutely nobody in the world that is so far from God that grace can't reach them <laughs> that's good <laughs> we'll just leave we'll leave it there.
0: Oh uh, I just think like in that story of you know, I can't, I wish I knew my Bible better, but it's either Mary or Martha who runs to meet Jesus ahead of time and kind yeah. of like, you're too late. Yeah. You're too late. Yeah. If, if you, you only had been come, here. if you'd been here Yeah. and I feel like, oh man, can we not give, you know, I think that story is in the gospel intentionally just for that. Yeah. God Ooh. is never too late.
1: Is there is there people Amber or stories that you know of that somebody wrestled with inviting somebody into a faith study or to Alpha? They thought there's no way this is not going to happen, and then they did, yeah. and they saw God move.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think of um, this is like it's a it's an older story, but it's it's one that we still have actually printed in our in our faith studies. But it was a young man who was on mission back in 2002. We were on mission together. And at the end of that mission project he was invited to go home and to lead a discovery faith study and he decided to email a bunch of his coworkers actually who had been um, many of them were were not practicing or were were even far from the church and um, he he had a, an idea of who he thought would say yes and who would say no, mm-hmm. but he emailed everyone. He didn't take every anyone off the list thinking that they might say no. And one of the people that he was certain would probably say no was the first person to respond out of a respect for, for him and out of respect for their relationship. He said, well, if he's inviting me, like, I'll go to the first lesson and I'll say that I tried it and I'll back out. Basically, that was kind mm-hmm. of his plan mm-hmm. all along. I'll, I'll show up, but I, I have no intention of seeing this through. And he came to the first lesson of discovery and as they were discussing and, and kind of the topic of Lesson 1 of Discovery is really all about God's love. He was experiencing something that he'd never experienced before, and so he was curious. He decided to come back. And that young man, um, who was who his friend thought would say no, he ended up going through the whole Discovery faith study process. He ended up in RCA the following year. He became a Catholic. He's actually now one of the vice presidents of Catholic Christian Outreach. And you know, had his friend said no, um, there's countless people that wouldn't have been reached um, not only through yeah through him and, and through his leadership in our organization, but really like that friend could have easily left his name off that invite list, thinking that he was far mm-hmm. from the Lord and would never say yes to that invitation. Yeah,
1: wow, man. You know, it's funny. Like I, I yeah. I'm actually getting moved here as I think of all the people and where their lives are now, the marriages that they have, the number of kids and it all started with getting their name on an impact list yeah mm-hmm. and i'm thinking the impact list is really it's a bit of a misnomer because the real impact is when when these people by god's grace meet the lord encounter lives and everything changes and then there's yeah. you know another missionary with a family that's a beautiful witness to the world and so mm-hmm. and yet all these things can be in a certain sense snuffed out if we don't take that risk and put mm-hmm. them on and then invite
2: and you know we need to recognize too that the impact goes beyond just that person mm. but if we're thinking spiritual multiplication it's the generations that are going to come after them as well like you said brett those mm. who have families and who have reached others it's yeah. it's not just about that one person but who could that one person reach and who could be reached through the legacy that comes after them as well
0: Wow, amen i feel like part of this part of an impact list is not an exercise, but it's a, it's a formation of heart. Mm. And, and I feel like as you're sharing that story, I, I feel like I don't, um, the person who introduced me to Jesus probably didn't actually make a, a list, although I'm sure he would have, but he just, they came from a culture of, of inviting people to their, their small non-denominational church. Mm. And I had come to Trinity Western from a very, uh, like the first, before school started, I was like, oh, mom, I don't want to go to a school full of Bible thumpers. You know, I was just, yeah. I was mad that I was going to an evangelical school or just a school of faith in general, just, just mad. You know, I would have been probably even more upset if it was a on fire Catholic church and yeah. I grew up Catholic. <laughs> That's just where I was at at the time. So, uh, of all the people that were probably easier to ask would be these people who were kind of into their faith but maybe but i was the kid who was the catholic kid Mm. who and he was just like hey you should come hang out with me at church and i had a profound encounter wow and so i just feel like wow Mm. my life would be so different if somebody didn't intentionally say yeah hey come you know like hey would you like to do this yeah um yeah, so it really makes a difference. Like people, it, it changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah, you know the impact list. So that's the the power of it, and not saying no, I think, is the gold here. Yeah, I yeah. want to transition a little bit too. Is saying, when would I do this? You know, like because mm. I've I've been um, open and I've gone through different periods of sharing the faith with others and things like that. So, um, the real question is, do I commit to? running an alpha in my home or my parish or, or do I commit to like discovery first and then think of, uh, the list or practically when should I sit down and do this?
2: I think in, in some ways, like you can choose your tool better when you know who's coming in mm. some ways, um, because depending on your audience and depending on their level of exposure and experience with their faith, you might find that something like alpha is a better starting point than discovery. Or if you're dealing with people who are already well-formed, or I shouldn't say well-formed, but people that already have a background in Christianity, um, who would have a belief in scripture and a belief in God, then discovery might be a better starting place.
0: Mm.
2: So I think in some ways, uh, creating your impact list prior to choosing your tool might be a better way of going about it, just in terms of tailoring the tool that you choose to fit the people that you want to reach better.
1: I, would just, I want to expand on that a little bit because I think what you brought up, Amber, is, is also gold. Because again, like tools are just that. They're just tools. And we have mm-hmm. to, you know, prayerfully discern what is the best way, best opportunity, best tool that I can use so that the people that I'm inviting can experience Jesus in a real and personal way. And just to reemphasize, because I think it's an important distinction, um, I, I know, for example, there are some maybe some Catholics that are practicing their faith, but have not yet made that kind of adult personal decision to accept the saving sovereignty of Christ, to really accept him as Lord who go through alpha and it's, it's familiar enough and basic enough to kind of dismiss it. Mm. It's almost like, yeah, I know this already. Um, Whereas discovery is an incredible tool for people like that because it gets to the heart of the issue. And that is, have you made a personal decision? You know, have you really experienced the grace of conversion? Whereas for somebody who has no background whatsoever, Alpha is a great program because it's got, you know, incredible video. It's like innovative, it's technology, it's a very open ended conversation. Yeah. It's a very comfortable environment. There's usually the food and, you know, all that kind of thing. So, but the principle here is really know what, where your people are at you know, and, and trust that the Holy Spirit will, will, you know, get the people that, um, or will guide you in choosing the tool and which one to use. So mm-hmm. just to reemphasize that, and I'm sure this will be involved in some of the training that we're going to do for people as they're actually setting out to, to do this, but that's, that's an important distinction. All that said, the Holy Spirit's a principal agent in evangelization and he could use somersaults to convert people like yeah. <laughs> whatever, right? We, we, we do the best we can, but it's not up to us. Um, and I but think good your default should be the tool is a tried and true thing.
0: Yeah. But I think, you know, at the risk of people misinterpreting this, I think there's some people that the spirit might be saying, you should have those people over for dinner, dinner mm. at your house. Yeah. That's the tool. That's the tool for this next step. Yeah. Um, and I don't want people to kind of chicken out on like running alpha for discovery because dinner can quickly go shallow. Mm. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll do another episode on um, how to have a spiritual conversation or we'll do training on how to make that feel more natural and things like yeah. that, but hmm. this is not about the tool you pick. You know, Go ahead, Ember.
2: Yeah. Jason, I was just going to say that I think that that's a really great point because I think for some people, as you're making your impact list, you might have people that pop into your mind that actually like, you haven't seen them and talked to them in six months. And so writing them or sending them an email or giving them a phone call and randomly Inviting them to be a part of something when actually you don't have a clue what's happening in their life might seem out of place. And so something like that, that first step of just having them over for dinner or just sending them an email and saying, I was thinking about you. How are things going? Um, really just to, to reinvest in the relationship first mm-hmm. um, before you even maybe broach the subject of discovery or alpha, um, especially if it's someone that you that you maybe haven't been in touch with, with regularly can go a long way it just that that basis of relationship and trust um, before you kind of broach the subjects of getting them into a program
0: which is again belong believe behave you know you can't talk about yeah. belief until somebody feels that they're belong you know otherwise yeah. you you very well might be betraying them yeah and i feel mm-hmm. like that's okay to say yeah yeah so no that's good amber thank you so much for being on um you're very welcome yeah i really appreciate talking to you um, yeah. everyone can do with some more amber Zulk in their lives that's so. true. <laughs> Thanks. thanks for listening if you like this episode be sure to subscribe share with a friend or leave a review we'd love to hear what you think